welcome to Monday's edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. My name is Andy Warren and I'm joined by two men with whom I'm planning a super breakaway podcast. First up, Stuart Watson, will you join my Europe, my European breakaway podcast? Uh, if the price is right, yeah, I'm a mercenary for hire, no problem. Good, that's you in. Uh, gun number two for hire is a man we don't hear from very often on the Kings of Anglia podcast, but when we do, it's great. He's maybe the Tottenham of this scenario, who you wouldn't think would be part of the breakaway. He definitely is. Mike, Mike oh, Thank you. you Thank you, Andy. Yeah, I'm in. Absolutely. I wouldn't I wouldn't miss it for the world. Um, a, a packet of a packet of knobby nuts and a pint of Carlsberg. I'm anyone's. And nobody can nobody can get rid of you after that. Once you're in, you're in. And that's the mm. great thing. It, it will never change. It'll still be fun, though. Um, we're about to talk about a subject that's a million miles away, uh, thankfully, from any kind of European Super League. We're about to talk about League One football, Ipswich Town. Of course, and I'm in a strange position of sitting here talking, having not been to the game. Very, very rare um, that I have the misfortune of missing uh, an Ipswich Town game. Don't shake your head, Stuart Watson. Um, but on this occasion, I did. I was at a wedding on Saturday. It was great. Um, found out the score at about half past eight and just laughed. Um, welcome <laughs> welcome to the party, Mike, Mike Bacon. You've you've witnessed the uh, the scoring machine that is Ipswich Town in action now. But um, I have watched it back, and you guys will know better than me because I, I couldn't keep my eyes on it the whole time. I'll be honest, but it was a bit better, wasn't it? Who wants to Who wants to kick us off? Well, we got about twenty minutes into the game, and Mike, from his socially distanced position, about three seats down from me, at the valley sort of called across to me and went, this is all right, isn't it? You know, he'd obviously, Mike's obviously kind of watched from afar and seen how everyone's been talking about Ipswich Town. And I, I think you kind of were going, this is better, isn't it, than we've seen? And my answer was, yeah, this is actually a lot better than what we've seen of late. But I said, there's every chance they'll fade, Mike. They never keep it up for 90 minutes. And um, so was the case, really. Um, Long spells in this game, I thought, especially the first 20 minutes or so where they looked pretty good, actually. Kept the ball better. I thought they were more composed. I thought they played a little bit higher up the pitch. They were braver. Um, all the good stuff that we've been hoping to see from Paul Cook football. But again, wasn't maintained across the 90 minutes. And in the end, they were probably clinging on a bit for those last 20 minutes. So I think all in all, a draw. Another nil-nil draw was was probably about right. What did you make of it, Mike? Well, you're absolutely right, Stuart. I did look across to you and say exactly those words. Um, probably focused on the fact that I was doing the match ratings. And the last match ratings I saw from Wimbledon contained a lot of twos and threes. And I was slightly concerned that how how did anybody... Because they're not that bad. It didn't look twos and threes to me. I might, is this sort of, am I not seeing something here? But... So, yes, the first 20 minutes, you're right, Stu, they were, they were, Ipswich were pretty decent. And um, Stephen Ward impressed me a great deal, especially the first, like I say, first 20, 20 up and down the left. Um, but, yeah, it did then just, I mean, I was fairly disappointed with Charlton, actually, if I must be honest as well. I didn't think they were any great shakes. And you guys probably know more than I do. You probably see lots of teams this league who think, well, they weren't that great. Um, but town just don't look like they're going to score score do they I mean that's half they sort of they sort of half threaten they get to the edge of the box and 
Dobra did some nice little step overs and Keenan Bennett did some nice little step overs. But you look in the you look in the middle and you think, well, even if they did cross it, what's what you know you knew what was going to happen. No one really shot. I think about one or two shots from outside the area, but hardly threatened. Um, but it having not seen all the games, it's difficult for me to just say that was better than whatever. But valuing your judgments, do you? You view set. That's why I asked. Obviously, you were saying yeah, it was better. Um, yeah, it's miles better than Wimbledon. But as I've said on this podcast lots of times before, with the bar has been set so low, then yeah. when we say that was better, wasn't it? And then you know, I can, to sum it up, I went to get a cup of tea at half time, and there was a few journal, uh, Charlton journalists all sort of chatting amongst themselves, and they were saying how horrendous the game was and how poor it had been and how bored they were and I was thinking quietly thinking to myself it's actually not too bad I quite enjoyed that from an Ipswich perspective and I just that that kind of brought it home to me how far the standards have kind of slipped that we're really sort of clinging on to clutching at straws a little bit you know there was some good stuff in there but there's no way I'm going massively overboard on that Paul Cook called it a tiny baby step in the right direction and that that's probably about fair Mm -hmm. That seems fair from from what I saw. I watched it back on on Sunday. Um, the closest they came to scoring both both of those efforts were in the first two minutes, weren't they? With James Norwood, yeah. and then was it Keenan Bennett's having one blocked off the line, and the only shot on target after that a kind of a p p trundler from Gwion Edwards in the second half. Um, and you just said it there, Mike. It they don't look like scoring goals, and that if you add together, if you take stoppage time as well over the last four get four and four and sort of nine tenths games that's seven and a half hours now of of no goals um that's not very good is it well i'd like to come in at this point when it comes to this hours thing and minutes because mr watson is he's he's either got a degree in maths or he likes he likes his stats and maths but he put me on the spot a little bit at charton where he was looking across at me and says i think that's now five six hours and we uh, He's, and he starts going at the 90 minutes, 90 minutes there and 90 minutes there, 90 minutes, 80 minutes Bristol Road. And he, I don't know if he's hoping I'm going to come in with it because I am hopeless at maths. I have no, I couldn't tell him this until obviously we're getting near the end of the conversation. I had no idea what he was talking about. Lots of numbers. Um, but eventually he worked it out. He's he's a stat, he's a maths man. You know, um, I'm more geography myself. But, but, but Stu... <laughs> you- <laughs> Which wasn't much use when I'm sitting at the valley, apart from I know I'm in I, South London. But I didn't need to know the capital of Estonia at that moment in time. <laughs> I, I know you didn't. To... <laughs> what is the capital of Estonia, Mike? Quickly. I don't Trinan. Trinan, what's it called? Tallinn. That's right. Tallinn. Trinan. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, that's it. Bang on. More, more up. <laughs> ge- more geography. Um, <laughs> did you did you get to the right number in the end between you of, of minutes and hours and? Uh, we and did in the end, yeah. Mm. But I think you, you've already done that, haven't you? It's, let's call it seven and a half with stoppage time. Let's round it up. Either way, it's not very good, is it? It's and a that, long that, time. It is a long time. I think I, off the top of my head, once James Norwood was off the pitch, obviously Alan Judge no longer being considered as well. The only two players in that side that have scored more than once in the league this season were Guion Edwards and Teddy Bishop, and they haven't scored since October. It's you can find all um you can find all the stats that that make that make this point but the the reason they are where they are and where and and why in all likelihood um it's not going to end up with a place in the playoffs is just a lack of goal threat isn't it that's 
plain and simple. Bristol Rovers and Northampton, the only teams to have scored less. That's just plain and simple, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. And I think, I mean, I've just had a little look at Northampton. I mean, they've scored like 35 goals, some Ipswich haven't scored many more. I mean, you're right, the teams at the bottom have scored so few, and Ipswich are among those who have scored so few. And yet, we've got strikers, you know, that's it's not as if we haven't got any strikers. It, that's probably that Nord and Jackson were a potent force not so long ago. Um, and now, I don't know, I've, I'm, I'm playing, you know, Teams got a thing about playing one up front, haven't they? And Paul Cook's no different. Um, that seems to be his preferred style. Um, and people bombing through. I thought Teddy Bishop was quite good first half, Stu, didn't you? First half, particularly playing at sort of a number 10 role. He, he's making some good runs into through there. Yeah, I thought that was his best game in a little while. He's looked like a player that's been a little bit confused by what Paul Cook wants from him over the last few weeks. But he played in that as a proper number 10. Mm. People now talk about sixes and eights and tens, and the, you know the... that's maths again, Stu. That's not. Yeah. Even Don't it. He played. He played as the most advanced midfield. He played more off the, as a support striker rather than a part of the advanced midfield unit, and I thought that suited him more. Um, he was running with the ball less and passing the ball more, which we're aware is an instruction that's been given to him from Paul Cook. So him and Dazelle, I thought, had decent games in midfield. Downs was unusually quiet. We've been really bigging up Flynn Downs, saying how he's been, you know, a standout player in a, in a poor team since he's come back from injury. He was pretty quiet, but Bishop and uh, Dazelle played some nice forward passes. Um, rattle a few, some of the other positives. Um, Wolfenden and McGuinness obviously came in at centre-half. I thought they, they were fine. They added a little bit of composure to, to things at the back. Wolfenden in particular off the back of a self-proclaimed um, bang-average season, I thought had one of his better games in, in a while. Um, Charlton manager Nigel Adkins wanted his team to press the Ipswich defence a bit more, felt that they, they got given a bit too much room to to start moves from the attack, but they mixed it up quite well, Mike. You said to me that there were times they sort of played through the thirds. There were yeah. plenty of other times where they went more direct through Thomas Holy or or the centre-halves, and I thought that kept Charlton on their toes. Vincent Young back was, was a major positive, him completing 90 minutes and seemingly getting stronger in the second half as well. Um, you've mentioned Stephen Ward in there as well. So there, there were plenty of things in there to take away. I thought it was a little glimpse of what, with what Paul Cook wants from a four-two-three-one, but um, I, I don't think that's going to suddenly change his mind on on anyone in in particular. That performance, we know he likes four-two-three-one, but he's obviously experimented with various different different formations over the last month. But pretty pretty clear now that he's sticking with that. No more no more passengers. No more accommodating players. Um, no more shifting the system to suit individuals. This is Paul Cook's Ipswich Town now, isn't it? And if you don't fit into, and we'll go on to talk about this a bit more in a minute, but if you don't fit into this system, I think you're not going to fit in at all. And I'm um, pretty clear we're going to see this for the rest of the season now. No more no more switching about. Yeah, I think he went into short-term pragmatic mode, didn't he? Um, it didn't work. His way didn't work in the first few games. Then it suddenly dawned on him that, you know, we just need to get the points by hook or crook and went for whatever way he thought was going to get some points and started changing to two up front and accommodating systems and wing backs and different things that didn't work. So he's now just decided, sod it. It's my way and it will either work or it won't. And it's, it feels a little bit already like 
sites have turned to next season. They're making all the right noises about while it's still mathematically possible and while there's a bit of fire burning in me still, but um, I don't think they're convinced themselves. I think they know the damage is done and that the, the moment has gone now. There's um, It's not so much the gap being four points, but there's just too much traffic. They need too many other teams to slip up too many times in a very short window for it to happen. And bottom line, to go and win all of their games now, you know, you do, they're not winning games. They're not scoring goals. There's no way this Ipswich team can win five games in a row. It's just not happening. Mm, that, that's the thing, isn't it? This point moves them a point closer. It's four points. It's very much if anything is sixth. Now fifth is gone. That's how bad things have got. But on paper, a, a win on a match night could cut that gap to one point. But it's just not going to happen, is it? There's, there's the teams in between there, Oxford, Portsmouth, Charlton in there and if you can't score goals for seven and a half hours you can do a lot of stuff in seven and a half in a half hours do you, yeah. do you want to know three things that i that you can do in mm. seven seven and a half hours mm. perfect a perfectly cooked um leg of lamb will take yeah. you seven will take you seven and a half hours yeah. Yeah. uh you can drive from portman road to the eiffel tower with a generous yeah. rest stop you can do that in seven and a bit hours yeah and you could watch the entire series six of line of duty in that time as mm. well. You can get an awful lot done in seven and a half hours, yeah. but not score a single goal in football. And if you can't do that, you're not going to, you're not going to get promoted. We'll leave the game there. Um, team selection. We always talk about. And interestingly in this one, the captain was on the bench, Luke Chambers. Um, that's happened. He's been on the bench of late. He's been dropped to the bench of late. But this one came with some comments after the game from the Ipswich Town manager, Paul Cook, uh, when he was asked about, about Luke's future. He said, going forward, Luke will have decisions to make on his future in the summer. I certainly think Luke can be around after the summer if he wants to be. What part that might be might be different, but that's certainly between me and Luke. He's been an exemplary pro, even on the bench today. He can conducted himself great. Obviously, this comes on the back of uh, the day after... Um, Paul Cook describing himself as demolition man and after news of Alan Judge being sat down essentially for the rest of the season to avoid triggering an extra contract with kind of with eyes on the summer Luke's one of those out of contract this summer what did you make of those comments from Cook post-match Stu and what do you think that that means for Luke Chambers now? Um, The fact that he said it's Luke's decision um, makes it sounds like there'll be an offer but you know, it depends what sort of role. I don't know. Maybe we're joining the dots wrong, but it sounds like that might be a sort of a part coaching role. And then it's up to Luke whether he wants to go and squeeze a bit more out of his playing career or whether he wants to start winding it down a little bit. I don't know, but it's clear there'll be an offer of some description there for, for Luke. Um, what do you make of it, Mike? Well, how old is Luke Chambers? 35? Yeah. Yep. 35 yeah does he want to keep playing does he want to play a yep. coach role does you know it's I thought it was very it was sort of a bit ambiguous really I thought it was it was a bit it was a comment that was it was thrown out there a little bit by Paul and but there's what on earth does that mean you know it could mean a whole host of things and if it's in it's up to Luke it sounded like they were going to offer him something did it it sounded like they're not just going to part the ways with him he has been a you know he has been a very loyal subject to the to the club for many years but 
Paul Cook's coming to make big changes, isn't he? You know, um, of all sorts, of all sorts of personnel. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, is Luke Chambers ready to finish playing football? Because that's a big thing well, he, to do. He's made it very clear that he wants to play as long as he possibly mm-hmm. can. And, you know, this is someone who's been used to playing. Yeah. 45 plus games every year. I'm not sure he'll be ready to start. I don't yeah. know if that's in his mindset to kind of play a bit, be sort of happy with a, a bit part role. I don't know. A lot will go into it, how settled his he and his family are in the area, what sort of, what this other role is, which uh, those comments were kind of, they left more questions than answers on, on that one, really. Um, but there was definitely, what I will say is there was a definite softening of tone from Paul Cook, from those demolition, you know, the comments post Wimbledon had gone up a notch in terms of his disappointment of the team. You know, he'd already already questioned their sort of mental fragility. He'd already questioned their fitness. That went up another notch after the Wimbledon game. We don't score, we don't create, we're not fit enough. Really got stuck into him after that. Then we had the demolition man comments on Friday pre-match, and there was a bit of a softening of that. The phrase he used, I said to him with five games to go, <clears throat> is there any way some of these players can change your mind on them? And he basically sort of said, yes, there is. Um, I think he used the phrase, my bark has probably been worse than my bite. It's, it was almost a little bit like some of these comments have just been designed to press a few buttons and uh, get a reaction out of people. I don't, you know, um, you know, I don't, I didn't necessarily mean I was going to, get rid of them all but I had to kind of make them believe that or fear that to try and that was his last man management throw of the dice in a desperate attempt to get something out of them so um, it did feel like you took a a slight backward step on some of those demolition man comments at the weekend. Well it certainly it certainly worked to an extent didn't it in terms of an an improved performance with a bit more intensity about it Um, if the if these guys have got a future to play for that's that's not a not a bad thing, is it? Well, he's a he's a he's a man who he's a, he's a man who wears his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? You know, he says it. He's he's very passionate. You know, he comes bouncing out from the game and he's oh hello everybody and it's all chipper and it's great. I think he's a I think he's a great guy. I, I, I like him and I think town fans have already took to him. Um, but people, but people with that sort of aura will also get personally very hurt and very down very quickly as. They'll have big highs and big lows. There's not much in between, I imagine. I don't know him that well, but and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think a lot of people are, are like that. And he, you know, he can very much be like that. So I think Stu's right. I mean, I was listening to what he had to say as well after the game, and yeah, he was a lot softer. With in fact, he was almost reasonably pleased with the way, way it had gone that afternoon. I think you know, it's, he certainly wasn't angry or furious or unhappy or throwing anything about. He was quite yeah mellow about it, um, and perhaps that brought in the Luke Chambers thing as well. You know, where he suddenly asked about Luke and it was suddenly, you know, yeah, he could have a future here. And whereas before the pretense had sort of been, well, I could get rid of the whole lot of them, quite frankly, you know. And it was the same with James Norwood as well, wasn't it? You know, I was quite interested when reading those comments from Friday that he gave to you, Andy, where he he threw out a list of names as examples of people who might not be here next season. And Luke's name was on there. James Norwood's name was chucked in there, who is not out of contract in the summer. And I think that took a few people by surprise. he obviously went off injured again at the weekend, but um, Paul kind of started talking about James saying that they'd had a long chat and I think James has been frustrated about how the team's playing and um, he's definitely part of my plans going forwards and he's just got to concentrate on being the best he can be and let me worry about getting the right people around him and stuff. So 
that, you know, both with Chambers and Norwood, there was a little bit of a, a backtrack on some of those those comments that he'd made. So Mike's right. He's, he's emotionally volatile. I think he, he's going to be up and down throughout all of this. One thing's for sure, when the going gets good, hopefully that's a case of when, not if, um, I can see that he's going to be a manager that, that players and fans and everybody really get dragged along with him. You know, he talked about, I've, I've always had players that run through brick walls for me in the past, and that's because I'd run through brick walls for them. And it's a two-way process. And at the moment, the players aren't doing enough to earn his respect and vice versa. But um, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll get there. Mike, do you know what um, this Luke Chambers situation slightly reminds me of? Um, and you'll remember this, I'm sure. Not, And I'm not trying to compare the two players in terms of ability. And I don't know what any kind of off-field role for Luke Chambers might look like, like at Ipswich Town in 2021. But if you go back to to 2000, 99, the summer of 99, Tony, um, sorry, summer of 2000, Tony Mowbray has just scored the winning, the winning, a goal at Wembley for Ipswich in the playoff final. Um, the previous summer, he'd essentially retired, hadn't he? Yeah. Um, and was part of George Burley's coaching staff, but they suddenly called on him in around October time when things weren't, weren't going very well, um, hooked him out of retirement, essentially. Um, wasn't part of the plan. But they had a had a good solid thirty six year old centre half around that when the when they really needed someone was mm. around. But that wasn't part of the plan at all. He was supposed to be working in the backroom staff. I think he was working with the reserve team and a bit with George yeah. Burley at the time. So it, it it slightly reminds me of that situation with Luke Chambers potentially. Yeah, I think uh, I mean yeah, I mean Mogul was was fantastic, wasn't he? As uh, at Ipswich Town, I mean, and he, as you say, he uh, yeah he, he finished and then he. He, he was on board as a as a coach, and he came. The only difference between that and now is that George had been there a little while, and George, you know, was in his fourth or fifth season at Ipswich, and, and knew Mogger well, and and the club had been quite stable. They were they were successful. They were making, you know, it was, you know, keeping a, a keeping a a former player, uh, former player, a, top, a player like that so popular within the group, um, in a successful setup, the fans loved it. You know, they could, you know. With Luke, unfortunately, the, the club has had lots of, of more, far more downs and ups over the last half dozen years, far more downs. And he's been part, not he's just been part of the group, you know, that's had experienced all that. And there'll be, and it'll be, it could be slightly divisive, you know, with some fans. So we just want to clear out. We're not blaming Luke Chambers, far from it, you know, we just want to clear out. We don't want anything sort of attached to what's gone on over the last four or five years still to be here under the new Paul Cook regime. Um, so I think Paul Cook's. I think he's just playing his Clark cards a bit close to his chest, really, just in case. I don't know, just in case, because it's all well saying bringing 18 players and 120 players and all this, that and the other. Um, that's not quite as easy as it, as it could be. And you're going to perhaps have to still want... And let's be honest, Luke Chambers, you know, he's, he's, he's a solid player. He plays regularly. I mean, the amount of matches he plays, he, injuries, touch wood, he's, you know, he's very, he's very fortunate. With, his fitness is great. And that's down to him. You can't, you know, that's down to the way he looks after himself. And he has got a lot going for him with Ipswich Town. He thinks he's been up, perhaps he's been unfortunate, he's been at the wrong club at the wrong time type thing, because I think he's quite a loyal player. And I think wherever he had gone, he'd have, he'd have, you know, put in the amount that he does put in. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mogger was great when we kept him on back in that time. But whether that would be the same for, it's not quite the same situation. No, so no, no. Um, yeah, that's no, no, it's, right. not, it's not the same. It just reminds me a little bit. The, yeah, it just maybe I, reminds me of the value of. The value experience. That kind of yeah. experience can can bring you. It will be interesting to see what happens with him. We've talked about Luke Chambers so much on here, haven't we? And and, and Cole Skews as well, who I think even Paul Lambert was talking about Cole Skews having an 
was it an ambassador role that that Lambert used to talk about with Skews, Stu? Um, this was two yeah, years ago. I could see Cole doing more um, of an off-field type role, almost like a Simon Milton type role. I could see um, Cole kind of doing stuff like that. I think Luke's very different. I think he'll be very much football side of things completely. Um, the only thing I would say is how how big a coaching staff are they going to carry next season? Obviously, budgets have gone up a little bit um, since the takeover, but we don't know if Liam Richardson is, is going to come across. I imagine Paul Cook will do everything he can to try and get him across from Wigan, his long-time trusted assistant. He's already got Gary Roberts in the building. Kieran Dyer is very much part of the, the first team coaching setup at the moment. You can see that he's there at all the games. He's very much involved in the warm-ups. Matt Gill is still about as well. Um, yeah, you know, that, that is a big old, if you start adding mm. others, if you start giving Luke Chambers a coaching role and everything like that, that, that becomes quite a big coaching setup. Mm. So mm. it could, it could, it could easily not involve any of that kind of stuff just now, couldn't it? And it could be, um, just a very limited playing role just made very clear to him that we're going out to sign one two centre halves and you're you're in a backup role here which is another decision that you like you were saying at the very start Stu for a man that plays 45 games a year suddenly um and he's also during that time he's been asked so many times about how he's been able to stay fit when others haven't and he said that it's because he just keeps playing and that's where his fitness kind of comes from not having those breaks whereas I, I you kind of get to 36 as he'd be not that long into the season and if you're looking at playing 15 18 games that suddenly becomes a lot harder to keep your body robust doesn't it so um this isn't the last time we're going to be talking about Luke Chambers between now and May I'm sure um but but there you go have you got any anything else to kind of throw in the mix from from Friday's um press conference Stu regarding demolition man and and how you saw that going and, and maybe on Alan Judge as well obviously his Ipswich Town career is now over. A contract clause means one more start um, and he would trigger a one-year extension, which they didn't want to give him. He could have come on from the bench and not triggered those those things, but I think they just Bring thought him on that after, was after a minute. 30 seconds of the game every match <laughs> yeah. just to get around it. You get five subs every game now, so could have done. there you go. There's a potential tactic. Um, if they've already made their mind up that for both parties it sounds like you know, we've decided not to keep you, Alan, next season. Um, it would be unfair of us, you know, once you've come to that decision, I'm sure Alan would give absolutely everything for the team because that's in his, his mindset. But also then, you know, you can go and go and get an injury in these last five games and it, and it prevents you going getting another club. So Ipswich are now obviously looking to, to work on other options. Alan's you know, trying to protect himself going forward. So I can kind of see how they've come to, to that conclusion. Um, I'm sure that that has, is in the mindset of the other players that crikey, Alan judges. And he overall, Alan has probably been a disappointment as a signing because we all hoped that he was going to be an absolute star signing in league one. And he's not lived up to those high standards. He's probably been one of their better players this calendar year. He's come, but over a period of his two and a bit years at Ipswich, he's, he's not lived up to uh, to what we hoped. So, yeah, I'm sure other players have thought if Alan, if they've come to that decision on Alan Judge, then maybe that, that maybe that puts me in the danger zone as well. But on the demolition man um, comments, 
Mike, what's your, what's your 80s film knowledge? Demolition Man, is, is that a Sly Stallone? Oh, I don't really remember the 80s. Um, but uh, What were you uh, doing in the 80s? Oh, uh, I was, uh, what, I just hadn't been born very long, had I? I mean, it's not, you know, it's only... Yeah, good point. I think about, no, I was uh, only about seven. No, uh, no. Yeah, I think... Sorry, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's rephrase. Mike, do you remember the 90s? Ah, the 90s. Yes, I remember the 90s. No, it's, it was Stallone, wasn't it? Demolition Man. Um, yes, I don't uh, I don't remember the film that well, to be perfectly honest. Um, was he, was he well, some sort of character it? that went around breaking, smashing everything to pieces? Uh, I don't know the, the, the plot of the film. I assume it ah. is just a, a classic action film. It's Wesley yes. Snipes. Um, Sandra Bullock. I'm just having a look now. But Sly Stallone. Do you know what? What I immediately thought of the fact that we've already, we had not that long ago we had Paul Lambert dressed up as Rambo on a giant banner. Yes. Yeah. And then just a few months later, we've got the new Ipswich manager comparing himself to another Sly Stallone uh, movie character. That was the first thing that came to my mind. So, what would Paul Hurst be then? What um, <laughs> are there any any Sylvester Stallone? Comparisons there? No. Uh, who's Rocky out of former? Maybe maybe Chris Doig. Uh, <laughs> Die Hard. How about Bruce Willis in Die Hard? I think Chris Doig would take that role on quite well. Just quite comfortably, I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about I'm Paul Hurst. Not, not quite sure about Paul Hurst. I've got nowhere else to go with this. Um, no, I haven't either. It um, <laughs> um, felt, felt like a good direction to go in. I've not seen Judge Dredd, but... Um, Brilliant. Uh, I've seen the Rocky yeah. films, though. I watched well, a Casino, you... Casino Royale last night, and, and um, have you, uh, that's Bond. I mean, Bond is... <laughs> yes, no, hang on a minute, because I get a lot of this, but Bond is... is, is we keep talking about these American Stallones and all this sort of... And these. Bruce Willis's, and we've always we failed to talk about Bond, the most outstanding action, all action character the world has ever seen. And <laughs> good. Uh, who's going to be the next James Bond, Mike? Who should be the next James Bond? Well, 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 extraordinary, extraordinary question. Um, who's that guy's in the film? Uh, oh, he was in a series, Night Something, recently. I can't remember his name. A few months ago, a few years ago, Nights. I can't remember. Um, who would I have as next James Bond? Well, that's a good one. Uh, Paul Hurst, I suppose, would be quite good. But um, <laughs> think... <laughs> no, I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. But certainly, you know, Bond is very underrated. And, you know, I, I often hear I, I often hear all these chat about, you know, super characters and Schwarzeneggers and, and all this, that and the other. And uh, Judge you? Dredd. And you no talk about Judge mentioned... Dredd a lot? No one mentions James going, Bond. Mike? I'm just saying no one mentions James Bond. Casino Royale. My superhero. Oh, is James Bond a superhero? Is that what you're trying it, to? He is in my world. Okay. Always will okay. be. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the man with a golden gun. Don't forget that. What a film. That that chat went down a, a direction <laughs> I wasn't expecting. I'm all for <laughs> it, to be honest. I've got, I've got, to, I've got more questions. Yeah, Just carry on, my friend. And they're all directed to you, Mike Bacon. Who's your favourite well, James Bond? Well, to be fair, I used to like Roger Moore, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I think um, Craig, Daniel Craig has been outstanding. We're going to miss him. I don't care what you say, you're going to miss him. You try and find me a better film than Skyfall. Be, be careful what you wish for, Bond fans. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> be careful what you wish for. Oh, be careful what you wish for. Who said that? Everybody. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> I don't really want to, but sh shall we move on to talk about Northampton away yeah. on Tuesday night? Or cool, maybe let's... We, we can come back. I, before we finish, I want to talk about your bookshelf that's behind you, um, which yeah, people well, watching this will be able to see, and we'll probably have been peering out the whole way through. We'll talk about that just before mm -hmm. we finish, but... Um, next up, Northampton, a team Ipswich wonderfully have already drawn nil-nil against this season. Mm. So we've had our fun there. Um, goals galore in this one. Would you Would you like me to come in here? Because um, one of my great um, uh, tasks here at uh, East Anglian Daily Times, stroke Ipswich star, stroke Green and stroke Archant, is I'm allowed to uh, meet the opposition. I'm allowed to take a look at the opposition. Um, which, of course, back in the day when we were at Liverpool and Man United, Man City, it was always quite interesting. But I, I'm the lucky one. I, I'm the lucky one in the group. For anyone watching this now, when you, you're watching Andy and Stu, you know, they get to see the games and do things like Paul Cook quotes and and players. I get to do um, meet the opposition. And so, like, meet Rochdale and things like that. Yeah, meet Wigan. Uh, meet AFC Wimbledon. Well, the actual time last time I saw AFC Wimbledon was at Debenham Leisure Centre in the FA Cup back in 2007. So I've actually met them close up before most Ipswich fans even heard of them. And of course, I'm allowed to meet Northampton, um, which of course I've just been doing today, funnily enough. Um, and I've met them. And actually for a second time, <laughs> for a second time, because I met them before the nil-nil draw. Are they, are they very different? Are they very different Not, to the previous time you met them? Not really. Um, it's still got the same manager, John Brady, who's the interim manager then. He's the interim manager now, but apparently he's going to be the interim manager at the end of the season. Um, they have actually got the same... Um, if you looked at the last six-game current form guide, they are just a point, a place below Ipswich, but on the same points, seven out of the last six games. Um, anything else you want to know? Uh, well, the, the best part about meeting the opposition, when you do meet the opposition, mm -hmm. Mike, is you do... You do, um, you do throw in some fun facts along the way. Mm. It's not all top goal scorers and form no. and managers. I'll just read out, as an example, just read out the headline from, from the weekend one. Meet Town's opposition at uh, uh, Charlton, colon, Blues yeah. head into the valley as only fools and horses know. And then there's a picture of the valley and somebody's just holding up a 99 in the, an ice cream in the picture. Or is that an <laughs> advert on our website? That's an advert on the website, but but did you did you see what I did there with Into the Valley? Now into now this is interesting. You see, Into the Valley is now we had this. Little, I had a conversation with Stu as we're driving up through South London um, with, with with our music turned up nice and loud, so everyone could sort of see us as we drove through through in, in Stu's very posh car. You met his car, haven't you? Andy? I've met very his posh. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So music was ramped up, and we were giving it some. And I said, "Is it okay if I use Into the Valley as a heading?" You see, because Stu sort of said, I don't understand what, why, what's that mean? I said, well, it's by the skids, Into the Valley, the song. Have you heard it, Andy? Into to the, the Valley, yeah. that one, yeah. Absolute yeah. classic, you see. Well, Stu had never heard of it. So I've obviously have used it. Um, and actually, I used it a little piece afterwards. And because uh, they played it, didn't they, Stu? They actually, they played it at the ground at half time. Into the Valley came over the PA and we were singing it a little bit. Um, and then I did it in a piece on Monday morning and somebody sent me, uh, I got a couple of notes from two people. One who said, because I put in the piece that also dumb firm and athletic run out to it. Did you know that? I did in not Scottish know that. Man. Well, no, nor did I. But I put it in my piece. I just put it in, sort of threw it in. It's apparently because 
that's where the skids come from, Dunfermline. So that's why they run out to it as well. Every um, day really is a school day, isn't it? What's um, Have you got a fun <laughs> fact about Northampton Town? Yes. My fun fact about Northampton Town tomorrow is, have, do you know the, have you seen the sitcom Keeping Up Appearances with yeah. UK? What, that, yeah. yeah, that's where it was filmed. UK. It was filmed in Northampton. Excellent. Is that enough you've for had, you? You've had some. You've had some great ones this season. But um, who was the who was it was born in Rochdale? There was someone. There was someone. Uh, someone interesting that was born in Rochdale. Oh, I can't. I can't remember now. I know that, that. It's all blurry to me. Yeah, Rochdale. Who was born in Rochdale? Uh, I don't know. I've had, I have had some good ones. Yeah, the, the only fools and horses one you see was because uh, Rodney in Only Fools and Horses. Rodney. You like you like only fools and horses, don't you, Stu? Yeah, I do like a bit of only yeah. fools and horses. Well, doesn't? Rodney's middle name is Charlton. Did you know that in the series, named after Charlton no. Athletic? No, see, this is, this is brilliant. Um, yeah. Stu, have you got any thoughts on the actual game at all? <laughs> um, should we just call it a nil-nil? <laughs> we, I feel like I've seen that game already and don't need to see it again. Um, we could do, can we? Charlton, um, Northampton, one of only two teams in the league to have, to have managed fewer goals than Ipswich in a remarkable feat. So it is all pointing towards a 3-3 thriller, isn't it? Um, mm. No, it's pointing to a 0-0 draw. <laughs> OK. Um, pre- what's your prediction then? Go on, are you going pre- are you, are you, yeah. to predict 0-0? OK. Yeah. Mike, Mike Bacon. Um, one one Hyacinth Bouquet come off the bench and uh, <laughs> a nod one nod one in for the cobblers. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be one one, and I think KVY will yeah. make a thundering run down the right hand side. I think he'll cross it, and at the far post, in will come the Bish, and I think that'll be twenty minutes in, and Northampton, who can't score for love nor money, will not score. Until, until, 89th minute, pen. 1-1. One, one. Oh. Specific. Mm. Oh. Um, I've got 30 quid James... on that. Have you? Big, mm. big bucks. Um, we're expecting oh. James Norwood to miss this one, aren't we, Stu? So that would mean you'd imagine, do you think? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would imagine so. Just a few days after. He, he, I think he wanted to play on, to be fair. Um, Matt Byard was straight on. He kind of clutched the back of his right hamstring. I think he was saying, give me five minutes to see how it is. But Jackson was virtually on the pitch while that conversation was was happening. They weren't taking any risks with him now. I think that was at the third time he's gone off injured in the first half um, this season. So that doesn't bode well either for tomorrow night or probably for these last few games. Um, is there any point taking taking a risk on on him? Jackson was quite lively when he came on. Actually, he did more yeah. in in the little spell he had on the pitch than he had probably done in his previous three four games combined. But there's not the same goal threat with with Caden Jackson on the pitch. He can he can run channels. He's he's got a bit of pace. He drags defenders into positions they don't want to be. But it's not the same goal threat there. I'm afraid. I'd I'd agree with that. But I am also foolishly going to predict. I think they might win. I think they might win one nil. One nil. Yeah, yeah, one nil win. I think I think that might happen. Um, who do you, who do you think is going to get the uh, winner? Caden Jackson. Oh right, goal, yeah. goal number two of the season coming on April the twentieth. Yeah. Um, 
to to get the win. He's got one winner already this season at uh, Plymouth, so uh, he can get he can get another one on the road um, against the Cobblers. Um, let's finish talking about your bookshelf, Mike. Before we go, um, sure. I'm sure anyone that's watched this and got this far on video, um, well done. And two, uh, you need to reveal those. There's three books over your over your right shoulder. Um, who, who have we got on there? Who's at the very top? I've got, I've, we've got David Ginner at the bottom. I can see that. But who are the uh, who are the David other Ginner. David Ginner's at the bottom, as you say, and it's called Le, Man- Le Magnifique. That's what the autobiography is called, um, which is what I'd call my autobiography, by the way, if um, when I write mine. Um, just above uh, Mr. Ginner is Chris Eubank. A fantastic boxer of the 80s, of course, we all know him. And he's also on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, I believe, which is uh, obviously where they all the top stars end up. And at the very top, the very, very top, is Boris Becker. Um, Boris Becker, the ex-famous, fantastic tennis star. So I am a, I am a, a uh, my sporting prowess and interests know no bounds. You expected to see, what did you expect to see up there? The Johnny Walker. Well, I'm just intrigued because there's, there's obviously more than three books on there, but they are. Have they been selected as kind of ones that represent you to show off? Is that bookcase been put up in this era of Zoom and and video calling just to, just to kind of highlight your intellect and ability to read? Or what, what's, the, this, what's the thought process? I, I put it up this morning um, because obviously you told me I was uh, going to come on here. I was obviously aware that the background backgrounds these days especially on zoom and this people i mean people let's be let's be quite brutal about this most people will be more interested in what's behind me today than what i've actually said i mean i've known that from the start i'm quite open about that it doesn't worry me uh they've been staring at those books behind me and not listening to me at all so i had that put up this morning um my next door neighbor chippy came around and uh, and put it up and i said because i said i've got a load of books and i've just quickly arranged them so it, to be fair though no particular order i must be honest um that just the ones that fitted without falling off. I was a bit worried I was going to fall off actually during the podcast, to be honest. But they have all stayed stayed still. Good. Um, should we should we end it there? Um, and do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I have got one, I have got one book here though. I have got one book here that is of great interest, um, and it's one by Steve Wignall, the ex Colchester. Manager and his autobiography is called "You Can Have Chips." Is that a great name for an autobiography? You can have chips. I'll let you go find out why it's called that. I know, I know why. Steve, um, don't, 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 don't spoil it. Don't spoil it, oh, Stu. Okay. Just... You want the you want the audience to go away and do yes, their homework. Go away and okay. Google why it's Steve Wiggles' autobiography is called "You Can Have Chips." I used to travel to a lot of games with Steve when I was Colchester reporter, and he used to do co-coms for Radio Essex. So I do know the answer, but. If you want people, if you want people to hit Google, then do it and buy the book. Um, well, not, we absolutely, buy um, the book. Couldn't agree more. Is it a good read? It is. Yeah, it's brilliant. Well, I like those sort of yeah. Why people are you like to... at your ceiling. Is it on your ceiling? What do you keep looking up for? What's <laughs> what? What's up the top? Yeah, I've got. I've got more shelves oh, up here. Got... Oh, okay. Chippy was very busy this morning, my friend. He got over it. Got around here at six o'clock in the morning. He hasn't stopped. Good There's loads Chippy. of shelves everywhere around here. Good old Chippy. What a man. Um, I'm going to call a halt to this. That's enough. Um, Mike, thank you. Thank you for joining us. 
We'll My pleasure. I'll, I'll be back again sometime, someday in the future when you're all a little bit bored and you just have no one to call on. Give me a shout. <laughs> it seems like every three months um, you seem to get <laughs> yeah. the call. Um, so we'll see you in June, end of June. Well, I don't know. Probably pre-season. Um, pre-season yeah. you might want. Yeah, yeah. Probably when someone's on holiday would be probably... Probably. Uh, usually a holiday, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, usually a holiday. Stee, uh, uh, Stu introduced me in his little video... As we finished at Chartner's, I've come off the bench. That sort of old one, you know. Um, but it was, it was, it's the thought that counts. Super sub. If you, if more bacon is what the people want, can I just implore people to just maybe leave a review on iTunes yeah. that just says, I don't know, hashtag more bacon. You can, you can have bacon. You can have, yeah. Just put that. Is that, what, is that what the book was called? You can have chips. You can have chips is what it's called, yeah. Just put, put bacon and chips in the review. Ba- Mm. bacon and chips if you want more of me bacon and chips have you got that mum you hope you listen to this anyway yeah so she i've got one one personal send anyway yeah good we'll we'll reevaluate this in a week and see which one of us needs to be kicked off for you to come on full time so we'll see how that goes um thanks for joining us mike Stu. pleasure up the town thanks for coming as always mate um thanks to everyone for listening um and if you haven't subscribed go and do that in all the usual places and we'll uh, we'll be back later in the week to talk about another another nil nil draw from true crime to football brexit to football more great podcasts from archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.